So in Galatians chapter 6, verse 17, it says, From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. This morning we are kicking off a new series called Scars, the Art of Healing. And it's a series that I have been excited to do for years. I've been thinking about this series for years because I believe it relates to everyone. Everyone can relate to this. When I say everyone, even people outside of the church never been to church before in their lives. Okay, this is one of those series that if you have been thinking, man, I should invite so-and-so from work, or I should invite so-and-so from the neighborhood, or I should invite, now's the time. Okay, this series, I don't even know how long this series is going to go on because I keep coming up with different ideas for it. Um, but this is a wonderful opportunity to invite other people to church because it's something that we can all, all relate to. I don't know about you, but I have a lot of scars on my body, especially on my hands. Scars remind us of something that happened in our lives. You kind of look at your hands, you look at your side, you look at different things, and it's just from, it reminds you of something that happened in our lives. And most of the time, what happened was probably very unpleasant at the, at the time that it happened. The cool thing is that every single scar on our body, it tells a story, right? Remember, remember in Jaws, the first Jaws, um, where they were on the boat and he's like pulling up his leg and showing him a scar. It was a, you know, a tiger shark. It was a great white, whatever. And they were like lifting up their shirts. And every scar, like it tells a story. And most of the scars we receive um, are, are from stories that are mostly painful, right? At the time that we received the scar, it was something painful. This was really interesting as we kind of kick this off. As I was studying scars, on the human body, I found something absolutely fascinating. Um, I think it's interesting that your tongue doesn't ever scar. Your tongue can't scar. Tongues have a certain type of tissue um, that doesn't scar when it's like torn. It doesn't actually have scar tissue. The same type as your, your hand, every, every, other, every other part of your body. And I thought to myself, that is a really good thing for, for, the, for communication. Thank God created it this way and made us this way because we would have a very difficult time communicating with each other based upon all the times that you've injured your tongue if you, it could scar, right? I can't remember how many times I've bitten my tongue or playing a sport and I gashed my tongue. Can you imagine through your lifetime if it scarred the way the rest of your body scarred? You'd be like, duh, 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 duh. you know, you wouldn't be. We would have, wouldn't be able to communicate with each other. But the tongue doesn't scar, even though it, you know it goes through a lot of the mangling process. Now, um, our tongue, even though it doesn't scar. Our tongue can harm people, can scar other people, right? But I'll save that. We'll save that for, for a different sermon. Um, we all have physical scars on our bodies. Pretty much every person in the room, um, even from when you were a child, fell, you hit your head or something, we all have different physical scars on our bodies. We have scars from different things. If you were in the military, some people in the military have battle scars. I remember my uncle Woodrow was in World War II and he, and he was, and I dropped him on the beach of Normandy, his life expectancy was like 17 seconds. 
And he was really injured. My father said he had a hole in his leg that was so big that you could put your fist in it. He was a big man, but he had a big gaping hole in his leg and he was hit by shrapnel and everything. So he had scars on his body from battle scars. We have scars from surgeries that we've been through. Okay, the story that we have about our surgery and why we had that particular surgery. We have scars um, because maybe we were in an accident of some kind. We fell, we were in a car, whatever. We have those scars. We have emotional scars. We have, there are so many different types of scars on our bodies from so many different stories. It's absolutely amazing. The physical scars, though, they're easy to recognize. They're pretty much, they're there. But it's the emotional scars or wounds, if you will, that are not as easy to point out or to detect when you have those emotional scars. And this series is, uh, and it's not one of those things, tuck your feet underneath, I'm going to step on your toes. It's not really a stepping on your toes type of thing. But I, I really want to encourage you to prepare yourself because we are going to get into it. Okay, this is going to be a challenging series for every single one of us. There's no one that's going to go through this journey as we go through it together who's not going to be affected. And you'll be more affected in your life if you'll open yourself up to what God wants to do in you. How God wants to heal those wounds. How God can impact your life in a miraculous way. See, the thing is, as I was processing through... Some of our emotional wounds are in desperate need, need of healing, but we tend to ignore them sometimes for years. There are things that have gone on in our past and we just kind of muddle through it. We don't really want to get down and just deal with it on a level where with everything in us, we're saying, I don't care what it takes, I'm going to, I'm going to work through this. I'm going to take this wound and God is going to be able to use this wound. We ignore ignore these types of wounds and because we ignore them, they can really result in some emotional damage, if you will. I have my, they're called Greerisms. There are different sayings or whatever. One of them is that most, and I use the word most because I've thought this through. Most people function in dysfunction. If you look around you at work, at school, or whatever, most people function in dysfunction. The problem with functioning in dysfunction, when you function in dysfunction, it means you have open wounds that have not healed. And so it creates a dysfunction. The problem is that can then lead to mental illness in our lives. If we allow that to continue to fester and that is not healed, it can become kind of a, you know, you can, really a, a mental illness. And if you're, in, you're like in junior high, high school, wherever right now, I want to really, or in college, I really want you to think through what I'm saying. If, if you have wounds that have been caused by your own choices. Um, Most of the time, those wounds come from other people um, that have chosen to inflict them on us, if you will. I really, I don't know how to say this the most effective way, but I really, really want you to be thinking them through. What, What are the hurts in your life? What are those wounds in your life? And the fact that you need to deal with them now You really need to take the time to invest in dealing with those wounds right now. If you think they're going to go away as you get older, you're making a tragic and terrible mistake. 
Open wounds just fester. They make you sicker. They make you weaker. And you're going to bring those wounds into other relationships. And those relationships are going to deteriorate. It's going to make it much more difficult for you to have a strong marriage, to have healthy relationships with your children, healthy relationships with the people around you. So this is serious stuff. And God gives us the ability to work through it. But we need to be in this with him. We need to acknowledge that we have these wounds. We need to acknowledge it. And we need to say, Lord God, you need to help me do whatever I need to do. And you need to work through me to help heal those wounds. Now, side note. There's a difference between a wound, as we go through the series, a wound and a scar. A wound and a scar, okay? Wounds are injuries that are still unhealed. Scars are created from a healed wound. So it's okay for you to have multiple scars all over your body, okay? That's, not, that's okay. It's okay to have multiple scars all over. What's not okay is to have multiple unhealed wounds all inside and outside of your body. That's what's not good. We can't have those multiple open wounds in our lives, those unhealed wounds. Many of us hold on to past circumstances, um, a poor thinking. I call, it, I call it stinking thinking. It's just a poor thought pattern. But we're holding on to those negative thought patterns. I don't know where they started in your life and who created them and that maybe you picked it up from your, your grandparents or your parents. And you, but these thought patterns that you have, they need to be done away with. You need to let those go. And the trauma that we hold on to long after that event has taken place. And I'm going to walk through this. We're going to walk through this biblically. Okay, the trauma in your life, how you overcome trauma. We're going to have groups that we'll have during this series, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what they are next week. We're going to have groups that will meet during the week and help you walk through some of the things that we're talking about in this particular series. Our goal in this series is to really try to help offer possible solutions to your healing process. How do you, how do you take an open wound and turn it into a scar? How do you do that? Scars are, um, like I said, they're reminders of hurt and pain. They are reminders of the trials and the challenges that we go through. And sometimes, honestly, and this is where there needs to be honesty, okay, here. We, we talk about Grace Chapel being authentic. We are not going to accomplish what we want to accomplish through this series if we're not authentic. Sometimes the scars that we have in our lives come from sin. It's just sin that we continue to propagate in our lives. Let me, let me give you an example of my own life. When I was younger, um, and people are like, no, you never had a, your temper wasn't, let me tell you something. When I was younger, I had a vicious temper, all right? And I was, I was in my teenage years, even into my 20s, I really struggled. And God, as I gave my life to Christ when I was almost 18 years old, was working on this. But before he started working on it, I was shock of all shocks fishing one time. Right? And I was in a boat and I was fishing and doing very well. And I was fishing and I caught this, I caught this catfish. 
All right? So I brought the catfish on the boat, and I, he, he, I hooked him, and, and I was trying to get the hook out of his mouth. And catfish are nasty. I mean, they're, they're tough. And this was a pretty decent-sized catfish. So I stuck my finger in his mouth to kind of open him up a little bit, and he just clamped down on my finger, which I was not happy about. And while he clamped down, I pulled my, tried to pull my finger out and got it caught on the hook. So now my hook, my finger is on the hook. I got the hook out. I was mad. All right? I was angry. And so the catfish is flopping around, and I just punched the catfish. And he stuck to my hand. I literally had a catfish stuck to my, my, my knuckle because they have spines on both sides and on the top. And he was like defending himself. And I was like, you stupid catfish. I punched him and he stuck to my hand. All right. So th- this is like, this is sin in your life causes, I have, scar, I, have, I have a scar on my knuckle from punching a catfish, all right? So if we go around and think through these things, sometimes sin in your life causes wounds in your life, and if they become scars, you can get up on stage sometime, like me, and tell a dopey story about yourself, how you punched the catfish, and how God worked on your, this area. This isn't a wound, it's a scar. I don't punch catfish any longer, Okay? <laughs> And when I get upset about something, I'm like, you know, relax, calm, whatever, because it's a scar. God can use a scar. God can use a scar. This morning, with the remainder of our time, what I want to do is I want to focus on on how scars can remind us of our purpose. How do the scars in my life remind me of my purpose and God's plan for my life? In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 24 through 28, it says this. This is Paul speaking. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with a rod. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and I, have, and I have gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all of the churches. Paul viewed his scars, okay, as, as, as a sacrifice for Jesus Christ, as suffering for Jesus Christ. That's how he viewed. In order for us to pull off what I'm going to try to, what we're going to try to pull off during this series, okay, we have to look at this from an eternal perspective. Paul was an expert at looking at things from an eternal perspective. He went through everything I just described and he saw it as suffering for Jesus Christ, as part of the suffering that he had to endure in his life so that he could become the man of God that he was created to be, so that he could become more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And did he suffer? This guy took a beating, literally took a beating, but his scars served a larger kingdom purpose. He understood there was a greater kingdom purpose to what he was going through. All the things that he experienced, he saw it from an eternal perspective, not a temporal perspective. That's why you don't see Paul complain so much in the Bible. He's being honest 
He's honest with what's going on in his life, but you're not going to see Paul shaking his fist at God regardless of how many times he was shipwrecked or how many times he was beaten or how many times he was flogged or how many times he was stoned. He, he, he sees it as a part of a larger kingdom story. He being a part of God's big story. His, here's the thing. Think about this. And this is what we all need to strive for. His scars preached a powerful message. They told a story. Paul's scars told a story that no one could deny. I, as, we were, as I was going out today, there was one person in the first service who'd been through actually cancer and recovering from cancer. And her husband said to me, hey, you're absolutely right. I, the, the story, the, the sermon that her life preaches the stories that she tells through her experience, through her scars, physical and emotional scars, the story that she tells when she's at the hospital, when she's at home, when she's at church, when she's with other people, they're stories that cannot be denied because there are wounds that God turned into scars and God can use our scars. God can tell some amazing stories through our lives and through our scars. It also speaks, our scars speak to what Romans 8.28 basically teaches, that all things work together for the good of those who love God and have been called according to his purpose. That's truth. God will take our scars. God will take our hurts. God will take our experiences that people may have inflicted upon us. But we have not allowed them to be open, festering wounds our entire lives. And we have healed from those. They've become scars. And then God uses those to help us fulfill the purpose and plan that he has for our lives. God chose, in Paul's case, to turn his scars into a badge of honor. To turn his trials into a badge of honor. Paul bragged on those things. He used them to his advantage when he went and spoke to other people and they were like, how can you have survived that? How can you have put, how did you, how did you get through all those things? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's the Bible's answer to those questions. You may have been facing some challenges. You may be right now facing some challenges in your life where people, um, inflicting things upon you and you're wondering why is this happening to me right now why do I have to go through this why do I why do I have to endure this why do I have to suffer in the way I'm suffering right now and it's at times like this when we go through these experiences in our lives that we need to turn to scripture we need to know it I'm going to keep talking about this and talking about this to my last breath we need to know the word of God because it's a times like that, okay, when your Bible's not in your back pocket, where you need to be able to call on the Word of God to think about when you're going through a struggle and saying, why? Why is this happening? I don't understand. I'm, I'm confused that you can look and you can think about Job. You remember Job and all the things that he went through? He went through such incredible difficulty. And honestly, if you read through that story, Job didn't understand it all. He didn't have it all, he didn't have it all down. 
He lost more than any man or any woman will ever lose in their entire lives. But despite the discouraging comments from his wife, you know, just curse God and die. Despite the completely and utterly wrong, okay, answers that were given to him by his friends, despite the fact that the devil released the hounds of hell on this guy, he endured. He was able to endure. Did it mean he, he understood it all and he, he went, oh, this is fantastic? No, he endured. He did not understand it all. He struggled with it like, like he struggled like a human being would struggle, but he trusted God. At the end, he trusted God. We need to remember these stories of Joseph. And remember Joseph and all the things that he went through. Thrown in a cistern, in a well, left for dead. And they said, no, let's not leave him dead. Let's sell him. They sold him into slavery. I'm Potiphar's wife and the whole nine yards and he's in prison. And I mean, think about the endurance of Joseph and what he went through. The scars of emotional betrayal from those people he thought he could trust your family. We need to draw on those truths. We need to draw on those stories of overcoming in order to deal with the things that we deal with in our everyday lives. Paul saw the scars on his body. This is what he, this is what it, he, he saw them as marks. He saw them as branding marks of Jesus Christ. Say branding marks. What does that mean? It means that he saw them, himself as a slave of Jesus Christ. Remember? In Galatians 6, verse 17, it says, I bear on my body the marks of Jesus Christ. He was branded by Jesus Christ. He, he, he chose to live his life in the very presence of God. Listen to me, all the time. All the time. He didn't compartmentalize. I'm in church, so I'm going to be real spiritual now, and I'm going to sing my songs, and I'm going to hear this, and, that, you know, that's, and then I'm going to go to work, and it's going, to, I'm going to, I'm going to, it's going to be different. I'm going to leave God behind, go to work, and then I'm going to go to school, and when I'm in school, I'm not the same person as I am when I'm in church, or I'm at youth group, or when I'm in a Bible, men's, women's Bible study, all the, no, Paul, Paul was basically, he, he surrounded himself he chose to live his life in the very presence of God all the time. I'm going to tell you something. You are not going to survive this world without doing that. You cannot compartmentalize your faith. You can't compartmentalize your faith and then ask God, why God, why am I, not? why don't I have the strength? Why don't I, why is it, I don't understand. You cannot compartmentalize. He needs to be all, he needs to be everything. Paul allowed him to completely encompass his whole life. Remember what he said in Philippians chapter one and verse 21? For to me, to live is Christ. To live is Christ and to die is gain. To live is Jesus Christ. I breathe for Christ. I live for him. Whether I'm going to, whether I'm, whether I'm in prison, I live my life for Jesus Christ. If I'm out of prison, I share the gospel. I live my life for Jesus Christ. If I'm being shipwrecked, it didn't matter whatever circumstances he found himself in, he encompassed himself completely, thoroughly, inside and out with Jesus Christ. He became a slave. He became a bondservant of Jesus Christ. In, in, in Exodus chapter 21 verses 5 and 6, it says this, but if the servant declares, I love my master and my wife and my children and do not want to go free, then his master must take him before the judges. 
He shall take him to the door or the doorpost and pierce his ear with an awl. Then he will be his servant for life. Paul offered up his body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. He offered up his entire being as a living sacrifice. He considered himself a slave of Jesus Christ. He considered himself a servant, a lifelong servant of God. That's how he saw his life. He was willing to subject himself to suffering. He knew that if he was going to go and he was going to go out and do what he was called to do, if he, knew, he knew that if he was going to do what God purposed and called him to do and the plan that God has for life, if he was going to do it, he was going to suffer. He was going to be persecuted for the sake of his call, for the sake of his purpose, and he did it anyway. How could he do that? Because he looked at life from an eternal perspective and regardless of what he was going through, he realized that God, God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I have watched so many people receive wounds for Christ in their lives. I've seen it happen and instead of letting God, and this is important, Instead of God allowing God to heal that wound and turn it into a scar, here's what happens when, when, when that takes place. We need to allow God to heal our wound from our dad, from our mom, from our teachers, from our coaches, from whatever experience, so it doesn't matter. We need to let God heal that wound and turn it into a scar. Why? Because then it becomes a powerful memory of faith. We look at the scar and it's a powerful memory of faith. It was a wound for so long. And Satan, you know what Satan likes to do? Every time you try to close it, every time you try to get counseling, every time you try to go and speak the truth and try to to overcome that, he just pulls it back open. He wants to pull it back open because he wants an open wound because open wounds fester. They make you sick. They make you tired. They make you weary. You're overwhelmed. You're constantly thinking about them. Honestly, I got scars in my body. I can think of them right now. I think, well, here, 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 hands, wrist, um, hips, uh, blah, blah, blah. I can, I can, I can th- but most of the time, I'm not walking around thinking about them. Give me a wound. I'm thinking about it, right? Think about this. You're not walking, you guys aren't walking around all day. Oh, I remember that scar. I punched that catfish. I don't, I, it was a sermon illustration, okay? That's about the last time I thought, well, every time I catch a catfish, I'm like, remember that stupid time you punched the catfish? But... <laughs> But I'm not thinking, but you, you, tell you the truth, wound, let me have an open wound. I had a paper cut. You ever, yeah, paper cuts. I'd much rather cut my wrist off sometimes. It's like, you know what I mean? You get a paper cut and it hurts for like days. A wound makes you think about it all the time. But here's the thing. We need to turn those wounds into scars. We need to allow God to turn those wounds into scars because then they become a powerful memory of faith. What I've seen in people's life is when they, are, when they stand up for Christ and they're wounded, they, they, they don't let it become a scar. They don't become a, a, it doesn't become a strong memory of faith. They retreat. I don't want to go through that again. I'm not going to share my faith again. I'm not going to bring that up again. Boy, I'm not, going to, I'm not going to deal with that issue, that hot button issue anymore. I'm not going to stand up for any abortion. I'm just abortion. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm just going to leave it. You, you, we ret- they retreat. They, f- they fall away. They literally, sometimes they fall away. They, they, they shrink back from the battle. Come on. 
We don't need to be shrinking back from the battle. Wounded people shrink back from the battle. People with scars, oh, people with scars don't shrink back from any battles. They march straight ahead, remembering. They remember. They have memory, and it builds their faith. Each scar they see, last time I went through this, last time that giant came, last time I faced that lion, last time I had to pass through that sea, last time I tried to walk, I have some scars from, you know, but there's scars, and I remember, and I got through it. The things I go through now at my age that are really difficult, I think, honestly, before God, I think to myself, this is nothing compared to A, B, C, D. I'll get through this too couple months, I won't even remember. It's such a big deal. All stressed out, all overwhelmed. Mm. I don't need to be stressed out and overwhelmed when I have scars because I understand that God has helped me overcome all of those things. We need to understand the enemy wants nothing more. And you think if you're younger, I want you to hear what I'm saying too. The enemy wants nothing more than to shut you up and make you cower in fear. Shut you up and make you cower in fear. Push you back. Make you curl up in a ball. Because he knows he can't take you to hell. Okay, He knows you're saved. He knows your eternal destiny. But right now you're still here. And the most effective thing you can do is to shut you up and make you fearful so that you don't want to engage. And you know what they did? They wanted to do the same thing to Jeremiah. They tried to do the same thing to Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, the prophet, Jeremiah 28, 9, it says this. Whenever I speak... I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. He was preaching against their sin. So God was telling him, here's what I want you to say. Here's what I want you to say. Here's what I want you to say. And he says, you know, whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. He's like, ah, oh, so now, now here it is. Cross, here, you're, you're, you're at a crossroads. Now you've got to decide. That's what he says. But if I say... I will not mention his word or speak anymore in his name. His word is in my heart like a fire. A fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. I cannot. God's word, when, you, when you're in love with Jesus Christ, when you think about things from an eternal perspective, you are going to speak out. You're going to stand up for your faith. You're going to stand up for your faith. And you are going to get beaten sometimes. And the, and the question is going to be, man, I'm not sure I want to do that again. But Jeremiah says, you know, I thought about that too. But you know what? The word of God is like a fire in my bones. If I try not to do what God is calling me to do, if I try not to live out my purpose, it's worse because it's like this pressure inside of me that I, I have to speak the truth. I have to do what God has called me to do. The reason so many people are miserable in this life. There's some reason so many people have so many issues in this life and they feel like, man, I'm not, this is, I don't feel like I'm doing what I was born to do because you're not doing what you were born to do. They told you to shut up and you have. They told you to cower and you did. They beat you and ridiculed you and insulted you and you don't want to be insulted anymore so you step back and then you walk through the rest of your life not fulfilling the purpose and plan that God has for you. Of course you're miserable. Of course you don't know who you are. Of course, you're, of course you're confused. Jeremiah wasn't confused. Jeremiah said he struggled to share the word of God. 
Because every time he did it brought him pain. And those around him didn't want to hear what he had to say. Not only did the people not want to hear what you have to say. They don't even want you to live out your faith in front of them. Because when you live out your faith. When you speak truth. It, it just, oh man, it bothers them because they're reminded of how they're living their lives and they don't want to be reminded. People don't want to be confronted. People do not, even in the church, people do not want to be confronted with truth. Amen. They do not want to be confronted with truth. I, I, I'm going to do a sermon on this at some point. We have lost, guys, we have lost the ability to speak into each other's life. Judge not, lest you be judged, which is completely out of context, okay? Oh, I can't, I can't say that to the other person. I've done so many things in my life. Who am I to speak into that person's life? We have, we have completely lost the ability to speak truth into each other's lives. And you talk about, you say, well, it's not very loving. You know what's not very loving? Watching someone do something that you know is going to ruin their lives, that is going to be so difficult for them to overcome, that it's going to cause wounds in their lives, but you let them do it because you don't want, to, you don't want them to be mad at you. Who are you to tell them all the things you've done? What if they point out things that you've done in your life? And so we've lost the ability to speak into each other's lives. That's a big mistake. Loving someone means you speak truth into their lives. People don't want to be confronted with truth doesn't mean that we don't confront them with truth. He concluded that if I, he said, I can't keep this in because if I do, he said, it's like a fire in my bones. I have to speak what God has told me to speak. I have to speak truth. I have to speak for God. This is symbolic. This is symbolic. What he's describing is symbolic of those who bear, okay, the scars of Jesus Christ. Like Paul said in the beginning, this is symbolic of those people who bear the scars of Jesus Christ. It marks their bodies. It's the same thing. We need to love Jesus Christ with, with we need to love him with so much passion that no matter what this world chooses to throw at us, we cannot stop from sharing his love and speaking his truth. That's how much we have to love him. That's how much we have to love him. This watered-down gospel, carnal Christianity that we go through today is killing us. It's killing us. People want to know truth, but we're afraid to speak truth. People are dying out there. They don't know who they are anymore. They're completely confused, but we don't want to speak because we might. Thank God the person who first shared Christ with me had the courage and I know they were probably thinking, oh man, this long-haired, foul mouth. I'm not, I'm, he's gonna, this is not going to go over well. I'm standing here. It went over well enough. God. We need to, golly man, we need to stop being such sissies. <laughs> we need to, to wear our, we need to wear... I, I, we need to, every scar you have on your body, you need to wear as a badge of honor. You need to wear your scar as a badge of honor. Our scars often prove our character. I remember years, a few years back, um, I was wearing a pink shirt. And I, wear, I have these different pink shirts that I, I wear in the summertime. And I was wearing one of my pink, it was, it's really mauve or 60s 
salmon. Okay, not actual, no. It's pink! And I was wearing my pink shirt proudly. And someone came up and lovingly, I've known the person for years, they're razzing me. Hey, man, I like your shirt, your pink shirt. And someone else was hearing what they were saying. And they, they knew it was on fun. But the person walked up to me, who known me for more, probably more than 25 years, and said, hey, based on your scars, your man card is laminated. Based on the scars that I know you have from what experiences you've had, he said, your man card is laminated. And we just laughed about it. Here's the, but here's the truth behind this, okay? Here's the truth behind this. Our scars are documented proof, documented proof that we are indeed worthy of being called children of God. Our scars are documented proof that we are worthy to be called children of God, that we are worthy to be called warriors for Jesus Christ. We're warriors because we have scars. Warriors have scars. It proves the character. It proves who you are. No matter what anybody else says, this is what a people's identity. I love people. I really do. And what you think of me matters in the sense of my character as a person. But other than that, I could care less what the rest of the world thinks. If I'm the last person on the planet, okay, who believes that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by him, if I'm the last person on the planet and every single person thinks that I'm completely wrong, I'm a hater, and all this kind of stuff, I'm still going to say Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to him, no one comes to the Father but through him. If I'm the last person, because at the end of the day, I care more about what he thinks than I care about what you think or anybody else out there. That's having an eternal perspective. That's what Paul was saying. I might might live my life in the very presence of God. Think about your own personal, think about your own personal journey and the scars you have suffered along the way. I don't see my scars as I think about the different scars that I have. I don't see my scars any longer as ugly reminders. I see them as a powerful testimony, a powerful marker of God's strength working in and through my life. They are markers. They're a testimony to God's healing power in my life. And I see them as, I don't see them as ugly, ugly, ugly reminders anymore. My scars are a road, my scars are a roadmap to God's plan and purpose for my life. Scars remind me. Here's what, this, is what the, this is what your scars should remind you of. God's faithfulness and God's love. Your scars should remind you when you say, Remember that? Remember the, remember the pain? Remember the suffering? They should be a reminder of God's faithfulness and God's love in your life. Do you have emotional wounds from your past? I want you to think about that for a second. Do you have emotional wounds from your past? What I want you to do is let God turn them into scars so that you can be a testimony to the very faithfulness of God. Let God turn those emotional wounds into scars so that your scars can be a testimony to the faithfulness of our God. Do you remember Thomas? Thomas, he needed proof that Jesus was actually resurrected. People call him Doubting Thomas. It's not really fair. The guy was way more than doubting. Anybody in this room would have, if he kept, Jesus risen from the dead, he'd be like... Come on, okay? What was it, think about this, what was it that proved to Thomas 
that Jesus was resurrected from the dead? What did Jesus do? Showed him his scars. Thomas, touch, feel here. Look, the scars on my hands, the scar on my side. These scars became evidence to the proof of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ was not a rumor. His scars prove it wasn't a rumor, okay? It wasn't a figment of the disciples or anyone else's imagination. Just the resurrection was real. Think about, think about this. Jesus' scars proved that the resurrection was real, That means when you suffer, that means when you have scars in your life, those scars have purpose. Those scars have meaning. The resurrection of Jesus Christ proved that Jesus is who he said he was. Now, think this through, okay? Let's think it through. Jesus rose from the grave. His scars proved that he rose from the grave. And because he rose from the grave, then our scars, our suffering, our difficulty has purpose. It has meaning. And God can use those scars as a weapon against our enemy. Whatever whatever the enemy is, God can use our scars as a weapon against the enemy. Through Jesus, our scars give us victory over those people who tried to destroy our lives. Whether they tried on purpose or they did it by accident or whatever the case may be. Our scars are proof that those people did not destroy our lives. And if you have scars right now, if you have emotional scars, if you have physical scars, if you have whatever scars you have, praise God. Praise God. Just the thought, just the thought. Who would you rather have fighting by your side? A person filled with battle scars or a person with none? Who would you rather not fight against? Would you rather fight against a person with a boatload of battle scars? Or would you rather fight against someone with no battle scars whatsoever? I don't know about you. I want to fight the guy who has no, or a man or woman with no battle scars. I want to be by the side. I want that person by my side. I want the person by my side who has been battle tested. Yeah, you've heard this quote before. I've heard it a few times from a few different people. But man, what they say is do not trust a leader who doesn't walk with a limp. Don't trust a spiritual leader who doesn't walk with a limp. You cannot trust a person who has not been scarred through ministry. Can't trust them. It means they're cowering in some corner, hiding in some office. I don't know what they're doing, but if you're going to be involved in the cause of Jesus Christ, you are going to have scars. So never trust a person who doesn't walk with a limp. You may have been criticized. You may have been put down. You may have been emotionally and spiritually beaten up, even by people, honestly, that you thought you, thought you could actually trust. Through the, through the years you've developed, though, through those experiences, you've developed those scars. And, and honestly, I said this before, honestly, yes, some of those scars have been self-inflicted. But I want to make sure as we go through this, as we're on this road together, I want to make sure you understand something very, very, very clearly. You may have made, you may have had choices in your life, chosen things in your life, sin in your life that caused you 
pain. But remember, when God forgives our sins, he forgives all of our sins. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed me from my sin. When God chooses to forgive, only God can do this too. Humans can't do it. God chooses to forgive. He also chooses to forget. You need to understand that. If God chooses to forgive and you ask for forgiveness, he chooses to forget. And the scars that remain are, listen, are not reminders of God, of our failures and our weaknesses, but of God's victory over sin, of God's grace and mercy in your life. That's what, when you have scars from, that have been self-inflicted, remember those scars are a reminder of God's grace and mercy. The fact that he's forgiven you for your sin and that you, God has given you victory over your sin. And remember this too. Remember this is important. God doesn't give us scars to remind, to remind us, just remind us of our hurt and our woundedness. God gives us scars to remind us. Listen to what I'm saying. He gives us reminders to, rem, to, to, to tell us that we He gives us scars to remind us that we have been healed, that we have been delivered, that we have been set free. Those are what he's reminding us of, not just our hurt and our wounds. He reminds us that we are saved, that we are healed, that we are delivered, and that we have been set free. We are free in Jesus Christ. God gives us reminders that we have been healed. My scars remind me that I am a victorious child of God, that Jesus Christ owns me. I am a child of God. I walk with Jesus Christ. I belong to Jesus Christ. I have shared in his suffering. Listen, You and I have shared in his suffering. We have been battle tested and we are dangerous. We are dangerous. I want you to bow your heads with me. Galatians 6, 17 says, From now on, let no one cause me trouble for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus Christ. You are a battle tested warrior for Jesus Christ. And there is nothing more powerful in this world than a person who's filled with the Spirit of God, has the blood of Jesus Christ running through their veins, and has been marked on their bodies with the scars of Jesus Christ. Father in heaven, we pray. Every single one of us pray that you would give us the courage, that you would give us the strength, that you would give us the power, that you would give us the, the, the fortitude, that you give us what we need to turn our wounds into scars. So they become me- memories of your faithfulness. Memories that build our faith that we would stand strong in the midst of the struggles that are, that, are, that are there all the time. God, I pray for every single person here, again, that you would take their wounds, and even through this series, that their wounds would become their scars, and that they would be a testimony to your love, to your faithfulness, to your mercy, to your power. If we... If we, the body of Christ here at Grace Chapel, can be healed, then we can be used. Used in a more powerful way. God, that's what we pray, that we are open vessels 
that we are, we, are, we, would, be, we would lay ourselves before you and allow you to do the work that needs to be done. You, my God, are the great physician. You're the great physician. Heal our wounds. Heal our wounds. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. We give you everything. We give you who we are. We offer up our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to our miraculous, incredible, healing God. We pray all these things in your son's precious name. Amen. Love you all. Have a great, great week.